Is it perseverance or per- perseverance? <laughs> not perseverance. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've heard that before, but it that, is now that's British. Pardon? Perseverance. It is now. That's how I'm pronouncing yeah. it. Hi, Chapter 8. Hi, Chapter 11. You're listening to the Fearless Minipod, a limited mini-series of super short episodes in which we talk about the chapters of the book Fearless, transforming fear into courage within relationships, career, society, and self. In this podcast, we share with each other a specific part of each chapter that Kristen and I have highlighted for any reason and see if the other one of us has selected the same part. Chapter 10 is called Hello, Fear, It's Me Again, and was written by Lisa Posnikoff. Lisa, who calls British Columbia home, is a writer, a mom of two daughters, a professional who's worn many hats in her ever-evolving career. The adjustments and events in her life walked her to and through a lifetime of changes, learning opportunities, and yes, fear. You can connect with Lisa on Facebook at at L. Posnikoff or on Instagram at at Lisa Posnikoff. Okay, Kristen, in Lisa's chapter, Hello, Fear, It's Me Again, what quote chimed for you and why? Mine is a really short one. It was hard to narrow it down, but this is the one I picked. Okay. I've accepted that fear will always be my sidekick, and I'm actually grateful for it. Okay, that's really funny. I thought because you said it was short that you were going to pick the same as me, but you didn't. Okay. But I'm not at all surprised you picked the one that's kind of related to an analogy that you made a while back about or we were joking or something in a previous episode I mean about putting fear in the back seat yes so I I really related to this chapter um her chapter is is not dissimilar to mine and her experience with fear is not dissimilar to mine I liked how in her chapter at least this chapter she kind of uses fear as a as a noun she personifies it so in yeah. some ways fear is sort of like an alter ego like an, an she has like herself and then she has like the fear version of lisa or maybe not an alter ego but just like this person this entity that's always kind of beside her so she's talking about taking this road trip and fear is literally beside her in the car right and she's trying not to let fear be the driver she's trying to force her or it into the passenger seat or eventually yeah. in the back seat. And I just loved, I love the personification of fear. And I loved how in Lisa's chapter, fear was a noun rather than a verb because all of the writers have used fear sort of in a different way. And that's how she used it. And there are other sentences, there are other quotes that I picked too. And I don't want to sort of like double up and use the second one. But yeah. she also talks about how she'll have an experience in life and she's walking towards that experience. And it's almost like fear is in the doorway. She's like walking through a room and she's like, hello, fear. Look, I see you over there in the corner. What's up? I know you're with me. And then she keeps walking past it. Mm-hmm. And it's, in those senses, it's almost sort of like a ghost or a spirit that she's kind of walking through. She's acknowledging this sort of like thing. It's not lurking. It's just always sort of with her. But she's trying to keep it a few steps behind and beside her. And I loved it. And that's exactly sort of my experience with fear in my life is it's, it's with me. My, my goal isn't to sort of overcome it and leave it in the dust. I don't think that's realistic. My goal is to acknowledge that it's there, allow mm. it to tag along, but not allow it to 
take over, take the reins, if you will. So I can mm-hmm. use an analogy with horses. So that's why I picked that quote. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Fear, don't take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need it in our lives. It, it It's a check and a balance, but sometimes it can overcheck and we have to keep it in balance. Yeah. It's, it's like life is the process of learning how to figure out how to take chances and yeah. when to go. No, no, you're not taking a chance. You're being incredibly reckless. Yes. <laughs> That's not the same thing. <laughs> I don't wear my seatbelt. Yeah. So it's like, am I being reckless? Am I being, a, you know, and it depends if you're going towards something that you want. So her chapter really took me back to all of those times in my life where I knew I needed to make a career change or like a job change. Yeah. And the type of searching that she was doing was very relatable to me. The fact that road trips <laughs> factor into, mm-hmm. you know, her self-growth is like, what woman can't relate? What woman can't relate to that? You know, like going for a long <laughs> drive and like, <laughs> now I'm going to do some, some serious thinking. I'm going to have a big think. <laughs> oh, big thinking in cars. <laughs> While you're trying to figure out where you're going and your GPS is taking you somewhere else and you're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 yeah. whoa. Well, now I'm curious. What was your quote? So I have to start by saying that, uh, drum roll please, the, um, my, I have a little post-it here, uh, best opening paragraph goes to Lisa Posnikoff, chapter 10, Yep, yep, yep. Because I don't want to give it away, but it was just adorable. And let's just say she starts with the words, visualize acres of onion fields in springtime (laughs) with long hilled and seeded roads. And I won't say more than that, but it's like you start off in an onion field (laughs) and you're like, okay, I'm interested. (laughs) And um, yeah, it was my favorite opening paragraph, but I didn't highlight anything from it. I just wanted to, I was like, when we do the podcast, I'm going to give a imaginary prize for best opening paragraph. (laughs) And my quote is also very simple. It is amazing what one can accomplish when fear is acknowledged, but put aside for personal growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it made me think about how, like, when I was a little kid, I was such a voracious reader and I read everything, almost, almost everything, I would say, give or take, that Lucy Montgomery wrote. So beyond the Anne of Green Gables series and all the Beverly Clearies, you know, and all of like, and, and a lot of the, you know, Lucy Maud Montgomery stuff is like women and girls stuck in the like late 1800s to very, very early 1900s. And they all have like their, you know, you're just in the main character's head the whole way through the protagonist's personality. You're like living it. And they're always these women and girls who like have an identity, have, you know, hopes and dreams, even if they're in some cases only romantic, you know, like there's still an element of finding themselves, you know, and Mm -hmm. there's always these like long waits for things to happen because a, it was the 1800s or whatever, but people went off to war. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah. So there would be like, like long lost loves or whatever. (laughs) And these women had to have like fortitude and patience and like they had to, they had to create other ways to make life meaningful 
if and when and just in case the thing that they wanted doesn't happen or, you know, those types of things. And so I guess it's sort of like, even though if I went back and read a lot of those, I'd find all this like anti-feminist stuff in them, I suppose, probably most likely, but there was still this message that got through this like little 11 year old girl in me, you know, that's like an element of, Oh, if I want anything to happen to me, I better like try to take the reins of my own destiny. Yeah. You can't just sit around and wait for things to happen to you. So it means, so you have to take risks and then, you know, it's just this balancing act of like, which ones. And it's really hard to know sometimes depending on what the thing you're going after, like a, like jobs, you know, because I'm a creative person. So I can imagine, Oh, there's, you know, job A, B and C right in front of me. And I'm qualified enough for all of them to apply, but they're very different. Yeah. And I could picture myself being comfortable depending on the circumstances. Like if behind door C, the boss is a jerk, you know, you know, there's all that, those like unknown factors where it's like, but (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, like the job that seems the most perfect turns out to be the worst of the three or something because the yeah. conditions are, you know, you can't put it. So there's all these things that make you worry that it's not just, am I good enough? Sometimes it's like, yeah, but maybe I am good enough, but will I be happy because of other yeah. reasons or something? Yeah. And will I, and then am I signing myself up for misery? <laughs> yep. The deep down question that my subconscious asks whenever deciding to do something like exercise. Well, Lisa talks about that in her chapter too. She has like a whole section where she talks about the what ifs that roll through her head. Yeah. You know, I relate to that. I've, you know, trying to get my anxiety under control. I have what ifs for every situation from the moment I wake up in the morning to the moment I go to bed. (laughs) It's a series of what ifs. And you literally have to be like, okay. I'm going to acknowledge these what ifs. This is this is a, a good question. What if I run out of gas? Here's my plan B. And other yeah. what ifs are like, it doesn't matter. Or what if it happened? What what's the worst that could happen? So if you right. run out of gas in the middle of you know a road trip, then that's a terrible what if. That's something you want to mitigate. But sometimes you don't need to mitigate it. Sometimes you just need to go. What if it doesn't happen? Or if it does happen, does it matter that much? Sometimes the trip where you run out of gas is the best one of your life, man. Maybe. Depends where you run out of gas, but yeah, totally. <laughs> Suddenly, it, it's the butterfly effect. Had you not run out of gas, you wouldn't have met so-and-so at the gas station who... Da, 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 da. You never the know. meat cute of your life. Yeah. It, uh, it's hard to know how much of this we actually can control at all. So... That's a lot what the book's about, you know, everybody's different perspectives and just keeping the mantra of being open-minded, open-hearted, flexible, and not brave. getting bogged down. Brave. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess I just, what I learned from the books, those novels that I read when I was a kid was like, oh, it's good to be emotionally resourceful for yourself. You know, it's good to, like, a lot of them had to do, a lot of them were stories of, like, not necessarily orphans, but girls whose, like, mothers had died and their fathers sent them off to be a ward of someone else. And they grew up in a gray, cold mansion with no love. (laughs) And yet somehow their personalities clung to a little spark of life within them. And when they grew up, better things happened and it was like because they were patient and they were open-minded and they were you know and so it's weird that I kind of got those lessons or messages from you know fictitious characters of women who wore corsets but (laughs) 
but I did. And I feel like it pushed me. Uh, I mean, I do feel like I'm a very perseverant person. I guess I just wanted to avoid like a life where nothing great ever happened to me because I didn't try. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Someone who tries, that's one quality. But even if you're someone who tries things once, try this once, try that once, try this once, lots of things will happen to you, but not necessarily, you won't necessarily get any momentum from that. You also have to follow through once you find something. Yeah. And like this idea of changing course, like a lot of people have written about that in their chapters or touched on it. The idea of like people talk about taking the risk of deciding to end their marriage or a relationship or changing careers at some point in their lives. And I feel like starting a business. Yeah. Like when we were growing up, when I was growing up, most people's parents got a job and stayed within either that job Mm -hmm. or that industry or that profession. It it was sort of like, what's the word? Like when something's adjacent, you know, like an adjacent job or adjacent career. And, you know, my grandparents' generation, you literally work for the same company forever. And, you know, divorce rates were lower and people, there was sort of this idea that you stuck with it. And that was the grit that showed showed perseverance and resolve to like stay with the same company for 50 years and retire there or stay in the same marriage. And that was sort of applauded. And so right. our generation isn't slim to that. We're 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 looking to <laughs> get you better to change. Our, yeah, but like if we're not happy in our job or in our marriage or in our situation or in our city or whatever, we want to change it. But it's tough because while my parents didn't teach me that I should stick with one thing forever, that certainly was modeled in our parents and our grandparents' generations. And so yeah. there's sort of that sense of like am I giving up? Am I quitting? Was this all for nothing? If I worked in this job or this industry for 15, 20 years, suddenly it's not, I don't want to do it anymore. And I'm starting from scratch. Is that failure? And obviously it isn't, but I don't think that our generation has accepted that yet. And maybe the next generation will be more open to the idea of like, do something else. Like you get one life, yeah. Be happy in it. And if that means saying goodbye to something or someone or a place or a job, but you come out the other side having grown or being happier or having new skills or new experiences, like Lisa has had all of these jobs and she has all of these great skill sets that she wouldn't have had if she'd stayed in one place. Totally. You need to sort of really learn to celebrate that. And that's that's the fear that she's talking about. I think that's the fear that you and I have both experienced and sort of trying to figure out our way professionally and like yeah. what do we want to do, like what brings us joy, but also pays the bills. And <laughs> yeah, it's not something our parents did. You know what I mean? Like they totally with one thing for the most part. My grandmother was very impressed with my then boyfriend, now husband, when she met him and found out he had been at the same job for 13 years. That gave him a huge in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, she kept calling him. She kept calling him Kurt, and his Kurt. name is Carl. Cut <laughs> <Bless> her heart. <laughs> we just rolled with it. She remembered sometimes, but but yeah, it is really funny how that was like, oh, you know, well, I'm like, all right, you're in. Whenever I had a new job, and I was in one industry for a really long time, but if I got a new job, the question was always, is there a pension? 
That was like, <laughs> I, need to, I need to know if you're like stable and will you be able to retire? Is there a pension? Is there a pension? I was always like, no, Graham, I'm a journalist. Pension. No pension. You're lucky if I get a paycheck. But the question was never, it was never, are you fulfilled? Is it a fulfilling job? Totally. Do you enjoy going in? Are you creative? Like, is this your creative outlet? It was just, I was okay. Yeah. Is there a pension? Yeah. Are there any marriage prospects at work? That was. <laughs> but for her it was about stability right you know like in that she came out of the depression and the war so it was all about Mm. find a man get a job have a bunch of kids make sure that you have a pension and you can retire and that's not I mean I I worry about it but I'm also like am I happy am I fulfilled is this interesting to me is this going to last yeah yeah that and cooking a nice ham Cooking a nice ham. <laughs> I haven't mastered that yet. I, I I will not. I can't. I don't know why. I, I we have some in the freezer. It will never be cooked. It creeps me out. It's just there forever. When I was a kid, I liked Easter ham, but yeah, it just I thought of that because my grandma, my sister, and I have this sort of inside joke about a nice ham. <laughs> That does it for your teaser taste of Chapter 10 from Fearless, transforming fear into courage within relationships, career, society, and self. You can order Fearless online through the publisher, Golden Brick Road Publishing, which is www.goldenbrickroad.pub. Or, of course, use Indigo, Amazon, or you can order directly from any one of our co-authors. Thanks for listening. Come back next time to hear Becky and I choose the same quote from Chapter 11 which is called You Can and was written by S.D. Rowe. While we wait for our Fearless Minipod episode 11 to be released in the coming weeks, follow our Instagram at KTRJ Minipod and join in the conversation. Let us know which chapters you are looking forward to curling up with and reading in the fall. Yes, you can comment on any one of our posts and let us know which chapters you've read so far that speak to you and tell us why. We can't wait to hear from you. Bye. Bye. I do perseverate over things, so maybe I'm mixing it up with that. <laughs> Just let the music jump in. I made a nice ham. Unless you have, do you have like a concluding sentence just in case it's actually super awkward? Don't. Yeah. Keep me posted. I will. I guess sharing, you know, like share the podcast.